We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Back in my lovely hotel room over here. I don't have a good mic. I since have fixed the lamp issue over here. Lighting should be a tad better, but not as good as the studio. We recorded the offensive film review from earlier today. But today we're here. Tonight we're here after the Monday Night Football game, which I'm pissed about because I was hoping the Cowboys would lose that game. And Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley. And I know Justin Herbert had a bad game too. So that's definitely for sure. But but, um, that sucked. But we're here to review the Giants defense on tape in week six. This is the breakout performance of the year from the Giants defense. The breakout performance from Bobby O'Karake's career. Even dating back to his career with the Colts, he never had a game this dominant, this good. We're going to talk a lot about that. It was honestly a culmination and somewhat of a breakout for Micah McFadden as well who I think had the, potentially the best game of his career overall. And then Wink Martindale, who I think called the best game he's called so far in 2023. Maybe dating back to last year, when you factor in everything, Josh Allen on the other side of the football, holding them to five yards per play, despite being on the field for what felt like 73,000 possessions. <laughs> they just felt, felt, felt like the Giants just kept coming back on the field on defense and kept forcing punts or turnovers. So Nick, there's a lot to talk about today. But let's start with a few things like we did on the offensive podcast about the scheme, about the personnel, about the matchups from that standpoint. So I'm going to read off to you a few stats and we'll go from there. The Giants defense had 59 total snaps, Nick. 47 of those were in nickel. Seven of those were in dime. And just five of those snaps were in what true media qualifies as 4-3 defense. Now, this is not a surprise when you realize the Bills had 46 of their 59 plays in 11 personnel. That's 78% of their offensive snaps, Nick. Why is that interesting and surprising on the season? And that include, and this includes week six and those skewed stats from week six. They were only in 11 personnel on 48% of their snaps. So a massive jump, which allowed the Giants to play so much nickel, which is great because the Giants are much better in nickel than when they're in base, thankfully. And... I want to start there. What what did you think of how the Bills game plan without Dalton Kincaid, a very 11 personnel heavy game plan, allowing the Giants to play a lot of nickel? Dalton Kincaid would have had a huge role in this game. That doesn't mean maybe he would have been involved a ton as a receiver, although I do believe he would have been. Allowing the Bills to employ 12 personnel and 13 personnel with that guy who caught the touchdown pass. Yeah. That would have forced the Giants or at least maybe led Wink Martindale to putting base personnel out there, which typically means a five-man front because they like to have the two four eyes, the nose, and then the two edges, creating a five-man front to gap out the defense, to shore up the run defense. And what does that do? And what have we seen in the early parts of this year? We have seen teams throw quick game out of 12, 13 personnel against the Giants when they are in base and successfully. Because the Giants in base are slow and they have five guys on the line of scrimmage. And there is so much space at the second level where the linebackers are. Typically what teams do is they just take the running back, flare him out to the flat. He's matched by Okereke or he's matched by Micah McFadden. And then they just slant against an outside leveraged cornerback. Just run a slant with the number one wide receiver over the middle of the field. And it typically goes for first down. That's happened against the Cardinals. It happened, happened a lot against the 49ers as well. So teams, this is something that we have to note moving forward. Teams with athletic 12 and 13 personnel packages can exploit the Giants when they are in base. And Dalton Kincaid plays right into that. And I was watching this tape. I was like, bro, we see so much Hardy and Sherfield and all of these 
I'm like, there is no yeah. way. And I didn't, I didn't have the numbers. I'm like, there is no way the Bills have played this much 11 personnel. I think it played right into the New York Giants defense's hands because the Giants defense wants to face 11 personnel. They have the package to face 11 personnel. Their base personnel is the problem when it comes to defending quick passing concepts and quick game. Yeah, I like that. I also feel like in their base personnel, they're more prone to getting fooled by misdirection and things of that nature as well, just with so many guys around the line of scrimmage. Um, that was interesting to me. What was also interesting to me was the different coverages the Giants used in this game. Not really exactly what we've seen from Wake Martindale throughout his tenure. So they used four snaps in cover two. These are all stats according to True Media, by the way. Four snaps in cover two, 15 snaps in cover three, seven snaps in quarter coverage, quarters coverage, 10 snaps in cover six, five cover zero snaps, and then 17 cover one snaps. So a real big mix and array of different looks that they threw at Josh Allen in this game. With interesting wrinkles within that. Too. Oh, yeah. A lot of that cover one, man, it did happen on third and short. We saw Ken Dorsey start to use rub and pick routes to free up because the Giants were like mm -hmm. right up on the line of scrimmage impress, yeah. getting in the face. And then with someone else over the top, we saw it to the field side against Stefan Diggs. Whenever it was, you know, a three by one set and Stefan Diggs was on the one side, we'll see some plays like this. Xavier McKinney was playing the traditional cornerback spot and he was tasked to basically just jam reroute Stefan Diggs, let him go past the cloud covering defensive back over the top. It was typically a cornerback who was playing the traditional safety role. And then he would peel off and wait for Josh Allen to roll out and kind of play contain while also intercepting any backside routes, drag routes, or the tight ends that were chipping and releasing. That was a really nice wrinkle that Wink Martindale incorporated into the game plan. And it resulted in two third, third downs that the Giants got off the field because it seemed like Josh Allen was going to throw the tight end. And then Xavier McKinney was right there. And by the time Josh Allen processed, oh, wait, Stefan Diggs is open. The cloud covering defensive back was on Stefan Diggs to eliminate that space. Yeah, it was awesome to watch. Like he's like he was baiting Josh Allen to thinking that he would have that opportunity to throw to that tight end. Then they immediately took it away. By that point, the timing of the play was was thrown off, like you mentioned, Nick. That was awesome. And let's talk a little bit more about some of the things they did schematically in this game before we get into some of the film breakdown, Nick. Uh, I know you mentioned this in your notes, and it's something that was obvious for anyone who watched the tape. They dropped eight on third down. There was one play where they dropped eight, rushed three, and Dexter Lawrence split what I think was just like, was it three defender, three offensive linemen at the time to get an immediate pressure on Josh Allen? Just unbelievable stuff. Like up until this point, Nick, or that might have been a different play, but he'd still no, that was it, it was that, that play. Was, that was and play, also, yeah. the this is like one of the funny things the about guard that. was wasted. Yeah. Well, the guard was wasted, but the guard was looking, okay, no one's coming. I'm going to go help yeah. my center out with Dexter Lawrence. And he went to go help Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence was swimming in that opposite direction anyway. So he yeah. just kind of assisted Dexter Lawrence in getting the pressure on Josh Allen. And they, you know, look, we've had a full season's worth of watching Giants offensive tape, seeing breakdown after breakdown where the Giants have like seven in protection against a four-man rush and they're somehow losing immediately. It was finally good to see the opposite of that, where the Giants are sending, you know, have the disadvantage from a numbers game against the offensive line with more guys in to protect three-man rush and they're immediately getting pressure dropping eight. So that was definitely something cool to see in this game. You put it up in your notes. It'll, it's going to be a spoiler for something I'm going to talk about later in superlatives, but I thought it was a really cool call on that second and 10 with that end linebacker twist they had with McFadden and Kayvon. That was something I hadn't seen so far this year. That was a lot of fun to watch. There were a lot of different twists and slants and things on the blind side to kind of inter interfere with Josh Allen. There was one play where they had Leonard Williams lined up as like a traditional left defensive end, and he simply just beat the left, uh, the right tackle around the edge. That was just wild to see and cool to see as well in this game. You mentioned the cloud coverage on Diggs. Um, I think you noted it was six plays. That's a lot of plays to play digs like that. That That's was six, that six, six plays with McKinney as the quarterback. Oh, as the underneath guy. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Probably more plays then. Yeah, there were a lot. There were some on first down, but it was when they were running cover six. That was the addendum to cover six was putting McKinney as that flat defender okay. to the field. It was typically over Stefan Diggs. And what I mean by cloud is you just have a safety over the top. And the way the Giants were playing that was anytime McKinney felt like Josh Allen was escaping, he was peeling off Diggs, passing him off, and then just taking the flat. And another thing too, man, we talked about contain and quarterback spies and stuff like that. Yo, mm -hmm. Bobby Okereke, and we'll get into him because he is the story of this podcast. He did such an excellent job executing multiple assignments within a play because he, he was tasked when the Giants were running zone. Okay, you got middle hook. So he would take his middle hook coverage. But at the same time, it was like if Josh Allen gets tricky 
If he gets funky and he tries to get creative, you step up and you have to contain him and you're going to turn into a quarterback spot. There were at least three or four plays in this game where Okereke removed the middle hook. And then once Josh Allen escaped, you saw him get closer and closer to the line of scrimmage, take the right pursuit angle while also just keeping his number square to Josh Allen, right? Like, I'm not going to allow you to evade me. Josh Allen had what? Two rushes for like 11 yeah. yards in this game. Okereke was right in his face for much of this game, man. And that was one of the low-key things that he did because he was excellent run defense. And then his long arms are closing passing windows like it's cold outside. Yeah, I believe on <laughs> I like that. I believe on one of the plays I was referencing, that Leonard Williams pass rush where he beat the right tackle. Okereke was there to spy and then and then kind of collapse on and force Josh Allen into a bad throw into the flat. I felt it's like not even just, you know, it's not even a traditional spy either, too. Like right, you're executing right. that first assignment. So you're doing two things. You're doing True. what one, two players usually do. That's that's just great by Okaroke. Also kind of what McKinney's doing on the plays you broke down. He's in some ways executing two assignments, too. Obviously, he's passing off digs, but he's really doing two different things at once there. It was a really unique game plan. It was really well executed by the Giants. Like I felt like this was the most in sync the Giants defense has been all season by far in this game. And nothing was even close to that from a communication standpoint, from just the like you said, the complexity of what they were trying to execute out there on the field, especially against such a good offense. I also felt like, Nick, before we get into some of the stuff the Bills tried to do schematically, I personally felt like the Giants, and this might have been based on the injury too, I don't know the extent of Josh Allen's injury. Obviously, McDermott wasn't saying much about it today. But I felt like at times the Giants kind of got to him and got him a little bit rattled. There was a play I wrote down, first and 10 with 231, 232 in the first quarter. Um just a bad read by Josh Allen. He had number 10. I forgot who number 10 is for the Bills. Do you know who that is? It's one of the Shakir. Shakir, wide open, coming across on, on yeah. a drag route and just missed the read. And he had a solid pocket for that. And you just don't see Josh Allen miss a lot of reads like that typically. So I felt like the Giants defense did a lot of things that just threw him off a lot in this game. Um, so, yeah, man, it was really fun to watch this film. The Giants defense is super exciting right now. You mentioned Bobby Okereke, the story of this podcast, and we're going to get to him. But it's really interesting to think about what he said a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, just the process of him trying to learn Wink's system. And what did we talk about a lot in those first few games where he was, quote unquote, struggling? He just seemed like he was a tick too slow. It seemed like he yes. wasn't very aggressive. And maybe, just maybe, that was because he wasn't as comfortable in the system. And now that he is so comfortable in the system, and it did take him some time to learn a new system, especially one as complex as Wink's that asked him, the middle linebacker, to do a shit ton of things. Now he's playing fast. He's not thinking as much. And now that he is playing fast, he's making all sorts of crazy plays on the field. And this was just an insane game. This is the best game I've seen by a Giants linebacker since Antonio Pierce. People mentioned, what about, uh, I think Josh Beeson had a game like this, Michael Bowley. Not really, yeah. dude. Like, not to this yeah. extent. Like, this dude was responsible for two forced turnovers, the tipped interception and the forced fumble. He saved what could have been like a touchdown on that other tip pass that he got into the bass lane. Because if he hits him in stride there, that could be like a 40-yard touchdown. He had multiple tackles for losses, key run stops, a key stop in the red zone. Like this dude was just all the, the spot, the play you're talking about where he's executing two responsibilities, eventually gets the pressure to force an errant throw. Like it's like six, seven, six through ten, six or ten splash plays in a game. Just a dominant performance from Bobby Okereke in this game. Plus, he's starting to prove himself to be a RPO defeating linebacker. True. And there was the one play, it was a three by one. Stefan Diggs is the inner receiver. He's the number three. It was an RPO where Josh Allen is reading Bobby Okereke. And Okereke is just inside of the hash. Diggs is his responsibility of the pass. He has to respect the run. Josh Allen goes in the mesh point. Okereke just stays on his toes and he inches kind of towards the run. Josh Allen whips it. And what does Bobby Okereke do like that? He is on Stefan Diggs. Cordell Flott did a great job blowing up the number two wide receivers block. And then Okereke got out to Diggs and tackled him at the line of scrimmage. Like if you could stop RPOs because you have a linebacker who is yeah. very decisive in terms of his mind, how he can process it, and also with athletic ability, it's going to allow your defense to play against teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And one thing that you brought up, man, we talked a lot early in the season about how the Giants defense has so many new faces. And it was pretty obvious early on against Arizona when they're just sucking and they can't fit the, the last couple games, man. Bobby Okereke really coming along. We know what Dexter Lawrence offers. Micah McFadden looks like a football player. Micah McFadden is, is playing his best football now behind Bobby Okereke. Xavier McKinney, I understand a lot of the fan base is a little lukewarm on him for some of his comments. He's everywhere. 
He's being used yeah. in a variety of different ways. Like I felt like Xavier McKinney had a very good football game here. Really he didn't take game. a bad angle on Devon H. He didn't have to keep up with that speed. So I don't know, man. Maybe it's really starting to come together right now on the defensive side of the football. And hopefully the Giants can have, you know, an above average defensive unit and they could just keep building from there with all the youth that they have. It's starting to feel that way, Nick. And I don't want to make too much of it just in case it was just uh, Brian Dable having a nice beat on what the Bills wanted to do offensively. We'll find out. Um, though, you know, these next few matchups, I think, are juicy for the Giants defense, Zach Wilson and Sam Howell. But I will say this about what you said, two things you said there. One, I just can't remember the last time it felt like the Giants linebacker play was responsible for the Giants almost winning a football game. And that was 100% the case yeah. in this game. And it's crazy because the complete opposite was the case a lot of the times throughout the 2022 season. Even though they won nine games, in the games they lost, the linebacker play was very responsible for a lot of those losses. Like, in some ways, the most responsible unit on a consistent basis this year, that's starting to turn around. Like, the linebackers were the best unit by far in this game, I felt like. Maybe not by far. The defense line with Dexter Lawrence, you're always in the mix for having the best unit. That's how good he is. But they probably still were the best unit overall. And I like that you mentioned and shouted out Xavier McKinney in this game because it's going to be a tough one for the this, this tape was so good dude that like we get the best player overall i have three players in the mix it's probably going to be the one you guys are thinking but those other two players are in the mix as well and shout out xavier mckinney because he's taken a lot of heat from giants fans this year he's not playing that deep post role like he used to in the in the in the old uh patrick ram system so he's not able to make those kind of interceptions that everybody sees the splash plays we put on twitter and the box score but when you have a game like this where you're executing so many different responsibilities, and I saw plays where he attacked down the line of scrimmage, made a tackle for a loss with a good read, oh, yeah. plays he made, like he just was that's like that's an all-around safety. That's the type of guy who, if he wasn't on the field, the Giants would have struggled because we'll get to it a little bit. But Jason Pinnock for me is is still has a lot left to prove, in my opinion, as a safety for the Giants as far as long-term future. I think, o- I think O'Karake bailed him out. On the, on the tip pass interception, he saved the touchdown. It was almost because he was that, like, yes. Jason Pinnock was driving down on the dig route from the outer receiver, and he's athletic enough to maybe he could have turned on a dime and caught up with Dawson maybe. Knox, but a, but a well placed ball would have Knox would have been gone because Pinnock especially with Allen's velocity that he put on that pass. Yes, yes, and Okereke man. And just, also, I felt like the touchdown late in the game by Allen that wasn't a great like I just didn't. Pinnock, I thought, could have made a better play on the football there. Just put himself in a better position. Like, that throw was insane by Josh Allen. That You shouldn't be able to get away with that throw. Like, that should have been intercepted or tipped, in my opinion. It was just it's Josh a Allen, stupidly man. good throw. It was a great throw, but, like, it was just a wild decision by Allen that somehow worked. But, yeah, man, let's get into the tape. We've got, we've got a little bit of time now. Well, with it. I want to talk a little bit about yeah. just some of the aspects of what the Bills did, too, man. They, no surprise, deep crossing routes. They just kept running the deep crossing routes to attack cover one. Giants came out, cover one, I think the first three plays of the game. They were just like, all right, we trust our corners. And I like the confidence there. And the Giants cornerbacks, they were relatively in phase. Stefan Diggs, all he needs is a sliver. And on a deep horizontal crossing route, when you're not getting pressure, he's going to win that matchup. And he did on right. some of those deep horizontal crossing routes. A lot of power out of shotgun. We saw, I love the adjustment that Ken Dorsey made late in the game, I think it was in the third quarter where they were just taking the backside tackle and kind of wrapping him around to the front side, almost kind of like a power type of run. It wasn't necessarily too much of a pin pull, but they would just bring the backside tackle to the front side of the play and run power. And the Giants were trying to adjust off that by just sending the linebacker aggressively at the line of scrimmage. And that's what the Giants have been doing a lot this year to fit counter. We saw like an HF counter run where they were in 21 personnel. The fullback followed the H back. The Bills were trying to also incorporate a couple of wrinkles to to have a successful run game. And they were successful in certain parts with the duo run and some weak side tackle runs. But all in all, the Giants defense it was adequate fitting the run and stopping up James Cook and Latavius Murray. And another thing I caught from your notes, Nick, that that was so funny because then I focused on it and went back and looked at it was the Bills doing a good job of calling run plays when Lawrence was taking his few snaps off. And Lawrence played a lot of snaps last night. So did Leonard Williams. But obviously they know when he's off the field, that's your chance to strike while the iron is hot and get him going and, and you get your run game going. And, and quite frankly, it is a problem for the Giants when Lawrence isn't on the field in the run game. Dexter Lawrence, man, like it's so funny. Like you watch the film on him every week and you're like, this dude is so dominant. And then you look at the box score stats and people on Twitter are like, what is happening to Dexter Lawrence? He's having such a bad season. It's like, is he having a bad season or does he just look awesome on tape and he's getting double team more than ever and triple team more than ever. And when he's not on the field, teams are specifically 
constantly running because they know they can when he's not on the field. Like he's literally just as dominant this year, just not showing up in the box score stats as much. Exactly. And I've seen people be like, he's just now he's an overpaid run stuff. I'm like, dude, you guys are just what? way oh, off, man. God, what, dude, what are you talking about? Man? It's just Yikes. bad, bad takes, man. But yeah, Dexter Lawrence was a beast again. Every offense is trying to get multiple hats on him. You know, there's trying to just get multiple bodies on him and it still doesn't matter. Leonard Williams also had a, a better game. Still want to see a little bit more from him because he has a lot of one-on-one matchups, but he was yeah. harassing. He was harassing the quarterback. And one more thing, you, you brought this up a little bit before. I, I'm wondering how much this was built into the game plan. It definitely seemed like it watching the film. The Giants were running these hard end man on the line of scrimmage slant inside with the linebacker twisting around. It was usually Micah McFadden who was just looping around. And every time the tackle stepped down. And this happened when the, when the Bills did not have a running back to let's say if the twist happened on the left side, they did not have a running back to the left side, nor did they have a tight end to the left side. And when that occurred and it was an obvious passing situation. The Giants just slanted cave on inward, looped Micah McFadden, and then they automatically got blindside pressure on Josh Allen. And we saw that happen, I think like three or four times throughout this game. I felt like Wink Martindale just did a good overall job burying his pressure, not always just sending the blitz, but drop, you know, lining six guys on the line of scrimmage, sending four simulated pressures, things of that nature. It's just common Wink place. It did seem like Josh Allen was just his clock might have been a little bit sped up because right? the Giants yeah. were throwing a lot of curveballs at him. Yeah, that's how I felt too. So just great stuff from the Giants overall to get to that point where we might have been feeling that way based on the tape. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit matchup to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are a few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football 
and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. We are brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code BIGBLUE for 20% off plus free shipping. And for all my wolfmen out there, yo, shout out. If you got a little bit more scruff on your face, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. This cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more drawers full of extra add-ons collecting cobwebs and is very annoying to organize. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGBLUE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BIGBLUE. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. Are you too busy this fall to cook? I know I am. Between watching all this mediocre tape, DFS, pumpkin picking, whatever other fall activity I have to do, it's just plain tough to find a time to cook. That's why I'm so happy I found Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. And if you head to factormeals.com slash bigbluebanter50 and use code bigbluebanter50, you'll get 50% off. That's some cash savings right there. So again, head to factormeals.com slash bigbluebanter50 to get 50% off your factor meals. Let's get in some plays now, Nick. Let's bring them up. So first play I have, this is just really good run defense that I wanted to highlight because honestly, we're just not that used to seeing it. So this is 1058 quarter one, first in 10 play. We have the Buffalo Bills with a fullback to the strong side, Dawson Knox split off a little bit, and it's just a handoff little pitch to James Cook. And you can just see there's just so many white jerseys rallying yep. around the football. And I want to pay attention to the linebackers here because first, I think that Xavier McKinney, who's in the box, and he's going to do a really good job here as well. Giants trying to gap themselves out. You see a lot of bodies on the line of scrimmage for the Buffalo Bills with an extra offensive lineman. This is how the Buffalo Bills are going to attempt to overcome the fact they don't have Dalton Kincaid and their 12 and 13 personnel packages are going to um, be a little bit light. So they just bring in a really big offensive lineman, but it's a big tip off to the Giants. Giants bring Xavier McKinney down into the box, gap themselves out. You're going to see 41 hit Xavier McKinney and then watch Micah McFadden just get away from 73. And now you just have a bunch of bodies on James Cook with Bobby O'Karake kind of leading the way, defeating 76's block. Or no, that's Jihad Ward. I'm sorry. But even the contain, the, the secondary contain defender, secondary force being being uh, Deontay Banks is in a position to make this tackle. It's just really good run defense by New York. Yeah, nice contain there by Ward and Banks. Just like I, like you just said, I think the key thing to focus on here for fans is just look how many bodies are rallying to the football here. Like we didn't see, I felt like we didn't see a lot of that when the Giants even struggled over the first couple of weeks. And here they really seem in sync in how to defend this run play. It's just a really good play by Jihad Ward to work to the outside shoulder, box James Cook back inside to two rallying defenders who defeated their blocks to position themselves to make the tackle. I love to see stuff like this. Again, this isn't a power gap concept, but still it's fit very well. Now we're going to have Xavier McKinney and quarter one, 939. So early in the game, this is a first and 10 play. McKinney is going to drop down basically into a robber, middle hook. Wait, this safety is actually Jason Pinnock. 
Dan and Xavier McKinney's at the top of the screen. These are some of the plays that we were talking about before. You can see how he forces Stefan Diggs outside. You're going to cloud over the top. And now he just has eyes on Josh Allen on the rollout. And then he works back to the middle of the field. And if you look, what do you see? You see those two horizontal crossing red jerseys. And then you see three white jerseys underneath with a fourth at the bottom of the numbers whose eyes are on Josh Allen rolling this way, looking at both of these incoming routes. And there's really nowhere for Josh Allen to throw this football unless he throws it to Stefan Diggs out of the break right now that the uh, that the cornerback who was outside is working inward towards those two horizontal crossing routes. But Allen is late with it and he tries to force the football to... To uh, I think Sherfield that is, but Dane Belton kind of yep. like they, they get their feet tangled up. I don't think this is PI, but you could see how Josh Allen was expecting to have these crossing routes. But the way the cornerback also played it, working back towards those routes to just put it into Josh Allen's head, like if you try throwing across your body a little bit here, this could be intercepted. Right. Exactly. That's it. a great point. Because you might think, oh man, he'll throw it to that secondary crossing defender, whoever that is. I think that might be Sherfield. It could be Hardy, whoever it is. But you have coming into the frame right now, McKinney. Yeah, yeah, Xavier McKinney spinning right back around. Yeah, I really like how you broke that down because I think otherwise there that secondary passing window is going to be open. Otherwise, like Okereke is not going to be able to get into that lane without McKinney being in that passing lane. He probably completes that. And who knows? It's probably a first down. And here's that RPO I was telling you about earlier. Watch Bobby Okereke, man. Get out to Stefan Diggs and make this tackle. Great play by Cordell Flott, man. Cordell Flott, we used to talk a lot about how he wasn't that yeah. physical. Pretty physical in this game. Let's pay attention to Bobby Okereke. Because you're going to have backside guard, backside tackle on the RPO. They're going to pull. Josh Allen reads. You're going to have the end man on the line of scrimmage kind of stop, read what's going on. And Bobby Okereke, he's not really flowing super hard to the outside. He takes two steps, and then you could see Stefan Diggs has leverage to the outside. If he catches that football on that upfield shoulder and turns around, he can work outside of Cordell Flott's block. But Flott expands laterally, and Bobby Okereke stays square to Diggs. Once the throw happens, takes the right angle and just makes that tackle. But as, as well played as that is by Bobby Okereke, Cordell Flott really just does an excellent job. Look at him just force, yeah. force digs outside. That's just such a good physical play by Cordell Flott to defeat this wide receiver's block. Gabe Davis, too, a much bigger player. Yeah, that's one. It's a great point. That is Gabe Davis. That's impressive stuff from Cordell Flott against a big receiver known for having size and physicality. And maybe, just maybe, if he doesn't do that, that could be a huge play for the Bills. So. Great execution by both Okereke and Flott on that play. We're going to get to a third and 14 with 14.05 left in the second quarter. We're going to have a drop eight situation. This is one of the times where the Giants drop eight. And If you look at the bottom of the screen, once again, what does Xavier McKinney do? Mm -hmm. This is the field side. It's not a bootleg, but Josh Allen rolls this way. Sets to the inside, turns like he's going, spins right back and positions himself where the tight end is where Josh Allen may roll out towards his comfort zone, rolling to his right. And now Steph Diggs has two giants over the top of him. So that football needs to be out very promptly if Josh Allen wants to get the football to him in a quick manner, right? But Xavier McKinney, this is the second time in the game that he bluffs this, spins right back around. Josh Allen can't find his check down. He's just trying to extend the play, extend the play, throws a deep, incomplete pass. It's these little wrinkles. This time the Giants don't bring four. They just bring three. And they drop eight in coverage. And you can see how they're dropping eight. You have two guys at the top of the screen dropping off the line of scrimmage. Three end up coming. And the Giants are everywhere in coverage. Josh Allen has no idea what he's going to do with the football. And Xavier McKinney's right in his face to remove the tight end and also contain him and not allow him to run. And at the start of the play, it might look like to you when Nick first ran that, like, wow, Josh Allen missed an open read. But the reality is this is one of those examples of where the Giants playing that single high middle field safety at and it's not even a single high look because there's there's defensive backs of depth, but playing that safety in the middle field, such depth actually takes away what looks like an open shot play right here. It's not there because as you roll the play, you can see the safety coming more into the picture there and protecting against that route as well back there. Um, just, you know, taking everything away there from Josh Allen, in my opinion, there was really nowhere to go with the football and pressure with three, three rushers and eight dropping is just a beautiful thing to see. And you're going to see, this is the play we referenced before. The guard kind of shoves him through the crack, and Dex is like, all right, man, I'll take that. That's fine. And look at the hustle from five. Uh, there are a few plays on film. There was one, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I thought Kayvon Thibodeau was all over the field in this game in the sense that his hustle was at a peak. He had, play, pass, he had a play where he rushed the passer, came inches away from his sack, got back up, 
ran across the field and made a tackle. Just really good effort in this game, in my opinion, from number five, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, I just want him to be more of a dominant football yes. player right now, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, exactly. That's that's one. And even a run defense at, at even time. Run defense. Fair. But yeah, you're right. Like hustle. I'm, I'm still not questioning his hustle. Week two, though, he it did seem like he was just out of yeah, it. He there was, was off in that. Everyone was, was off in that game. Leonard Williams had a weird week two. Kayvon Thibodeau had a weird week two. That was one of the weirdest games I've seen by the Giants defense in the Wink Martindale era. <laughs> and they won it, which is funny. And they won the game. Yeah, it's difficult for them to win games these days. And this is maybe the play you were referencing with Leonard Williams at defensive end, just wins around the edge. He knows how to right, use his hands. I'll give him that. You can see, man, this is just a lot of hand fighting. And you want to talk about a player who is adept with using his hands? Because here he sheds, creates the separation, and the tackle does a good job sitting back on his hips and going to re-engage. But Leonard Williams doesn't really let him. Just really, really quick. Quick hand usage, very adroit. Yeah, it was hand. definitely it was a different play, which we'll see a little bit later potentially, or or maybe not. But yeah, there was a few times then he was lined up against tackles, which is interesting. And here's Bobby Okereke not being fooled play. by the play action, just not being fooled by it. Look, he doesn't even take a step. He's like, okay, and you know what he's reading here? Okay, this is this is this is the PBU. The other one was the interception that he saved with the Dawson Knox one that we were referencing before, but. Bobby O'Karake is doing such a good job reading the blockers because you can see the blockers are not run blocking. They're all pass blocking. None of the linebackers fall for this. Their run keys are pretty crisp because they don't fall for it. They know it's play action. O'Karake just reads Josh Allen's eyes, sinks underneath Stefan Diggs, forces an incomplete pass. Very smart play by the veteran linebacker. One of many for Bobby O'Karake in this game. One of many. See, look, all of those offensive linemen are standing straight up, kind of on their back. Like they're pass blocking. So all those lines, you can even see Michael McFad. He takes a step and he's like, nah, man, this I ain't gonna be fooled. I'm gonna drop back in the coverage. And that throw was right on the money. And oh, Bobby O'Karake, bro. Use those Huge 34 and a half inch arms. Oh, yeah. Now we're gonna have the Giants focus a lot on Stefan Diggs. This is a third and seven in the second quarter with 944 left. You can see Stefan Diggs at the top of the screen, two giants tracing him. He still gets targeted, but the throw is off. Stefan Diggs tries to use that free release, work inside. Giants have somebody right in his outside hip pocket right now that he went back inside, and also somebody over the top. He's paying attention, and look at the man coverage around, man. I was just going to say, look at the coverage outside of Stefan Diggs. Look at the coverage at the bottom of the screen and in the slot. That's pretty damn sticky. That's very sticky. Mm-hmm. Very, very sticky. Giants send four with the fifth spying. And that's something else we saw in this game. When the Giants did employ a spy, they uh, it was typically Isaiah Simmons, and he would just be right on Josh Allen like this. See, he's just eyeing him up like, nope, 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 not going to let you run. Yep. And Josh Allen would have ran there <laughs> if yes. there was no one banging. And see, 66 has to obey the rules and not be a yard past the line of scrimmage. Isaiah Simmons does a good job not engaging him, forcing the throw. Probably he was a yard pass line camera than that, too. He's pass blocking, though. He probably took a step back. Yeah, sure. First and 10. Here's the Okereke tip interception. This, again, might have been a touchdown. You can kind of yeah. see it on this play because you can watch the, the safety. Safety's going to drop. You're taking it's like a cover six look. So you have the two fourth, deep fourth defenders at the top of the screen. And he's going to drive down Jason Pinnock, that is on the dig route once it gets passed off. So the dig route clears. You can see Jason Pinnock notices it, and he's starting to drive down on the dig. But look at Dawson Knox. The throw is already out. And then Pinnock's like, oh, wait, that's going to Knox. That's not going to the dig route. I think if that throw hits and Bobby Okereke doesn't get his hand on it, Knox is taking that to the house because I don't know if Pinnock's going to be able to track him down unless the deep fourth corner on the outside tracks him down. It's going to be tough to get back in that play, especially with Josh Allen's velocity that he puts on the ball. So just a potentially touchdown-saving play from Bobby Okereke that ultimately also leads to a turnover. Just two amazing results out of this play from Bobby Okereke. And look at the length there coming to a factor. Look at the just such a good play on the football by a linebacker. So rare to see this from the Giants. It's like exciting to me just to see a giant linebacker making these kinds of plays in pass lanes. Been calling for this for so freaking long, dude. And once the decision is made, this is how crazy of a play this is by Bobby O'Kerke. Like the decision is being made right now, if you're watching mm -hmm. on YouTube. Allen has hit his back foot. He's kind of like semi-burping the baby, just about to throw the football, get it out of his hand. And O'Kerke still hasn't broke to the inside. He has all of his weight 
at this moment, if you're watching on YouTube, this is much more resourceful. If you're watching on YouTube, he has all of his weight on that outside foot. And now he explodes off it and he's able to get that foot. Like that is a very difficult and athletic play from Bobby O'Karake to get his hand on that man. That's all the length, all the athleticism. The giants have not seen a linebacker like this in quite a while. Cause that, that might go for six, man. That, that realistically might go for six. Yeah. I mean, again, look at Dexter Lawrence, just throwing 64 to the side and getting his hands mm -hmm. up. He's all over the place, Dex. Oh, yeah, man. All the time. All the time. And there's the last play. I just want to uh, bring up one thing about Deontay Banks, who's at the bottom sure. of the screen, uh, cornerback right here if you're watching. He's going to pass off the wide receiver, and you can see him communicate because we talk a lot about his man coverage, rightfully so. He's pretty damn good at man coverage. But he communicates well in zone coverage, and we've seen him make several plays this season where he almost came away with an interception or he undercut a route and he yeah. did something that the quarter quarterback did not necessarily expect and it resulted in an incomplete pass for the offense and it's all based on his knowledge in zone coverage and i don't look people will be like oh well he's not good in zone coverage up here i don't really give a shit what pff says uh when it comes to that like i'm going off of instances like this on tape where you could see he's in his own technique, his ass is to the sideline, he's expanding outward, expanding outward to match the stem of Gabe Davis, and then he sees the out route. He's watching the route combination. So what does he do? He communicates to the safety, pass him off. You got him, you got him. The safety opens his hip, he takes him, and then Deontay Banks sinks underneath on the out route, stays outside and over the top. If Josh Allen throws this football, it's going to be to the outside. This gives Deontay Banks the angle to drive through the catch yeah. point. This is just a really well-executed play, and this isn't a one-off. We've seen this several times this year this season where Deontay Banks is in his own technique and he just does a great a fantastic job using his eyes to process what he's seeing and then reacting accordingly putting the defense into a good spot and here Josh Allen wants to throw the football but he can't because this out route typically is going to be open because that cornerback where Deontay Banks is is going to sink and he's going to flow outside but Banks is aware of what's going on and he removes this as an option for Josh Allen and that's the type of high level processing from a corner that you don't always see from even veteran corners like we've watched a lot of giants tape over the years with you nick and even before that i don't always see that from a lot of the veteran cornerbacks you're seeing that from a rookie cornerback deontay banks what does that say about his potential in the future and by the way this is also a play that i was referencing before with Kayvon thibodeau comes in almost gets the sack hustles his ass off here after falling to the ground and eventually gets in on the tackle here yeah man I, when i watched this on film i was like dude did he get concussed because and I, I say that not jokingly, but I say that because it does kind of look like like this tackle lands on his head and then lands he gets up him, and, yeah. and like touches his head and stops for a second. And then he just like goes really quick again. And this is another one of the instances where Bobby Okereke, look, he drops in the middle hook. He's looking, he's looking. He sees Josh Allen and just stay square, stay square, stay square. I'm just going to act as a quarterback spy now. Yeah. And I'm going to make this tackle just beyond the line of scrimmage with the help of Kayvon Thibodeau. People will be like, oh, what about number four? At this point where Bobby Okereke is flowing, matching Josh Allen, I don't think four is his responsibility anymore. I could be wrong there. I think he's relying on Cordell Flott to take four. Luckily, throwing across your body like that, something Josh Allen didn't see, and he was trying to keep his eyes on the front side of the play because James Cook is streaking down the middle of the field. Uh, it would have been hard for him to flip around and make that exactly throw, even for him. Exactly. But yeah, that's another really well-executed play by Bobby Okereke. Yeah. And I, look, I love that you brought up that play by Deontay Banks. I really think it's impressive that we're seeing this kind of performance from Deontay Banks this early on as a rookie. I think honestly, dude, what's starting to excite me is this giant draft class, like Jalen Hyatt, Deontay Banks, John Michael Smith before the injury. Those three have been really good early on. And that wasn't the case all for the last draft class. Still, still Evan Neal has not really turned into that player. Um, I felt like in this game, there were a lot of, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say two day three picks from that draft class have been hit so far. Micah McFadden's just starting right. to scratch the hit. I wouldn't yes. say he's a sure fire hit, but he's starting to scratch it. Daniel Bellinger's a hit after that rookie season. Mm -hmm. And we haven't seen enough of Daniel Bellinger, but you watch the tape. He's doing a lot of dirty work. He's still being used. One thing that we didn't bring up though, on the offensive film review, a lot of Darren Waller as the GH pulling counter. Yeah. Darren Waller. Yeah. That's something that I think we should note because usually that's Daniel Bellinger. And Waller also, I know he has a reputation as like a bad blocker. I feel like when I, I've, I've seen bad blockers in my life at tight end, dude, like Evan Ingram was a bad blocker at tight end. Like, I think there's a different level of blocker between Waller and Ingram. I'm not saying he's George Kittle out there. Yeah, yeah. of not. course. He's not yeah. Daniel Bellinger either as a blocker, but he's better than he was advertised for sure as a blocker. You, whenever Waller. Lawrence 
I think you're right. I do. Whenever Lawrence Cager's out there, you can see what a bad blocker. That's when you see what a bad God, Lawrence Cager trying to block is a disaster. He was on a play. He was in on a play. This How yep. many plays did he get? I'm not sure, but there was one play where it was noticeable here. But back to the defense, Nick. Just all around great effort, I think, by this unit in this game from for so many factors, limiting the Bills to 169 passing yards, limiting the Bills to five yards per play. This is a really good offense to limit. Before this game, the Bills were filthy on offense from a statistical standpoint. And obviously on tape, having Josh Allen plays a big role. It's not like they were without Diggs, not like they were without Gabe Davis or James Cook or a left tackle here, a right tackle here. They were relatively healthy on the offensive side ball outside of Dalton Kincaid. And yes, that did change some of what they want to do, but it's not like Kincaid was making the most massive impact outside of just differentiating the personnel Buffalo was allowed to use. I thought it was high effort, good games from players like Gavon Thibodeau, Micah McFadden. Deontay Banks, and here's a play that looks like you have circled for McFadden. I do. It's just look how fast he gets to the the tackle yeah. point. He does look like he has an extra gear this year. We always like his speed kind of coming forward, and he's quicker in the tackle box than than when he is in space. Maybe it's just because he's Maybe processing he what him. he's seeing. Yeah. He's processing what he's seeing so well because he beats 60. Like 64 gets a good jump up here. 79 does a really good job cutting off Leonard Williams, allowing 64 to climb. That's a really nicely executed combo block by 79 to allow 64 to climb up to Micah McFadden. Micah McFadden still beats him to the set point. And one thing about Micah McFadden, or a couple things about Micah McFadden that I love, you see it a little bit here, but this isn't the best representation of what I'm about to say. He gets so low to avoid contact, and he is pretty freaking flexible on his lower half. He does a mm -hmm. very good job shielding himself from climbing offensive linemen on plays like this. If the 64 was a little closer, Micah McFadden all this season has done a really good job dipping that inside shoulder, getting very low to the ground and then popping back up to make the tackle or just throw himself into the alley. So the running back has to jump over him or something like it's just something that I've noticed that, that I've been pleasantly pleased with the uh, development of Micah McFadden. Yeah, I thought like a lot, on a lot of these plays in this game, even the the failed quote-unquote run plays from the Giants defense, McFadden was that last line of defense. McFadden was the guy getting his nose dirty. McFadden was the guy getting in there and making plays on the football, which says a lot to me. I just think what you said is so true about both McFadden and Okereke. They're simply trusting what they see more this year, and that allows them to play faster and allows them to make more plays. And so just an all-around great game from the Giants linebackers. Anything else you want to get to before we talk a little bit more about these players and the superlatives? Let's get into the superlatives, buddy. Okay. Let's do the superlatives right now. And for the superlatives, we are going to start off here. Let me scroll on up. Unheralded player. player of the game. I so, want you to go first here because I know you're going to be indecisive with this one. I am indecisive with this one for unheralded player. So first I made a joke in my notes, Nick, and I said, can I give it to Wink Martindale? Because yeah. I think he just such an... <laughs> this is like a, bo a boomer thing that you did. This is like something my mom or dad would do. You put all caps, LOL, JK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is pretty boomer. It. But I, I mean, the joke is the joke. It's We're giving this to players, but Wink Martindale had such a good oh, yeah. for this game. Just unbelievable. His best, best of the season. But I'm torn between McFadden and Xavier McKinney for unheralded player of the game. I think more fans who didn't watch the tape or who are listening to our podcast to un to learn stuff from the tape probably now know and see the impact Xavier McKinney made, which wasn't as much in the box score. McFadden had the interception, had the fumble recovery, and had some plays in the run game that were uh, more obvious. So I'm going to give it to McKinney because I don't think what he – I think he just operated so many different roles and wore so many hats and did them and executed them in so many ways in run support, in pass coverage, in fooling Josh Allen at times. So I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney. That's the same exact one I have. He was a like if Wink Martindale had to circle a player in his game plan that was going to deviate from what he normally does, it was Xavier mm. McKinney. Guess what? He freaking did it well. well. Confused Josh Allen. He's a very versatile player. I know we're talking about shipping him out of town, and I understand that conversation. I do. It depends on what he's going to garner on the open market. But having a player like Xavier McKinney gives defensive coordinators so much flexibility yeah. because he can do really everything you ask him to, and he's very intelligent. So he's going to do that at a high level and he knows what his teammates are supposed to do as well. So that's popping out. It's like the giants. If there's one thing that they've had over the years, it's safeties that are very smart and very flexible, versatile, like Xavier McKinney, like Julian love players like that. Not yeah. And I, I would say this, Nick, you know, some fans took, I think these are people you might be referencing took exception to his comments last week. 
I didn't take exception to them. The defense played good in that game, all things considered. Miami's torn up everybody but the Bills so far as an offense. And the defense gave up, what, 30, uh, 30, what was it, 34-16? But some of that was due to the offense, like turning the ball over and just some explosive plays. And then in this game, they totally carried the team, the defense in this game, just purely carried the team. So like, I don't take exception to those comments. I'm sure it's a little frustrating when you're deep, when your one unit is carrying the other unit, like this goes for every locker room. I got to say this, Nick, I am probably back on the side of thinking McKinney can be a long-term fixture. If he's going to continue, but we'll we'll see, like he's got to put more games on film like this, but if he does, like that's the type of guy you want. And, you know, we're not so sure that we're going to have, We'll see what happens with the with the cap that they have allocated to quarterback right now and how much longer that remains on the roster. Because if it's going to prevent you from bringing back guys like Xavier McKinney, that might not be – everything's going to have to be evaluated in these next however many games for the Giants as far as where they want to allocate their cap space. And McKinney's the type of guy that, like, you don't want to be priced out of keeping a guy like that who's young going into the second year – I mean, going into second contract. I just don't know if you want to be priced out of guys like that. You're not going to find that replacement. Like Jason Pinnock, I'm not loving his development. I'm going to be honest with you. That's what I was loving his development. If I'm going to be honest with you, like what is left at safety if McKinney goes? That I was just about to say that same exact thing. The drop off between Xavier McKinney and his backups, it's bigger than we want. Yeah, we were hoping that these players were going to develop at a rate to where we could say, okay, Xavier McKinney, you know, we're going to miss you. Similar Julian Love, it's like. I'm going to miss Julian Love, but we have other safeties that can step in now. But Xavier McKinney, Jason Pinnock hasn't really seen that. I haven't really, no. I, know, I know he has a different role than Xavier McKinney. Dean Belton, he could execute that role theoretically. Drastic step down from, from what we've seen from Drastic. Xavier McKinney. So yeah, I'm right there with you, but we're going to evaluate this every, um every game, right? Yeah. We got to look at where out. the cap space is allocated to and, and where, where we want this money going to, but. Yeah, Xavier McKinney would probably get it for me. Close one, though, for sure. Highest effort player. This was a tough one for me, Nick, because I feel like everyone put together a good effort from Leonard Williams to yep. Dexter Lawrence to Kayvon Thibodeau to Okarake to McFadden to Xavier McKinney to Deontay Banks to Cordell Flott. Like, this was a high effort game all around. Where would you give highest effort player to? Who would you give it to? I had to give it to Okarake, but yeah. part of me wants to give it to Cordell Flott. Because Cordell okay. Flott, look, I didn't give him the unheralded player because Xavier McKinney, he's a bigger name, and I felt like he had a better game overall than Cordell Flott. But Cordell yeah. Flott had a handful of plays, open field tackle on Steph Diggs, the the play where he just blew up a wide receiver blocking flow to the outside to, to eliminate an RPO from being effective, just give the Bills a dead play call right there. Yeah. Little plays like that, that's unheralded. So he could have easily yeah. fit into that. I kind of want to just say, look, it is okay, okay? But he's going to get the other one that we're going to go over in a little bit. So I want to give it to Cordell. I was between two players, Bobby Okereke, who you mentioned, and Micah McFadden, who I thought played with excellent effort, especially get it in the run game. So those are my two guys that came down to. I'm going with Okereke, though. I just think he was just freaking all over the field, dude. Right, jumping into pass lanes, collapsing down line of scrimmage, like you said, doing things like having two responsibilities on the play, spying Josh Allen, getting to Josh Allen. Just he was all over the field, Bobby Okereke. It was a wild thing to watch. Like 58 was the guy. So let's get to it. Best player on tape overall. And this is a fun one and an interesting one for me, Nick, just because I think I know this year. Dexter Lawrence is a hundred percent in winning this award for us. He yes. also, if we look back last year, I think was in like 90 to 95% range of being the best player overall on tape on the defense side of the ball. Every time we reviewed the film, except for maybe like one time last year, maybe one or two times, maybe cave got it once. I think if I remember Washington. correctly, the Washington game cave on got it. Cause he had the strip sack fumble recovery that changed the whole game. Maybe another game, someone else got it or is cave maybe the Baltimore. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was Dex that game too. I'll have to go back and look, but this game, we finally got a new best player on film overall from both of us. It's unanimous, and it's Bobby Okereke. Yeah, it's easily Bobby Okereke. He was everywhere. He could have got a highest effort player as well. Like you said, we already broke it down. So many different responsibilities he was tasked to handle. He did so. He looks comfortable in the system. And if we can expect, shit, 75% of the linebacker that we just saw on Sunday Night Football for the rest of the season, the Giants have the best linebacker that they've had since Antonio Pierce. Hell yeah, they do. And how about best play call? Your favorite play call? Let's just call it. 
I just love the McKinney adjustment. It's different. Mm-hmm. You're putting a safety down there deliberately because yeah. you know Josh Allen loves to roll to the side. And you don't want him to roll to the side like that. You're flowing a safety over the top to try and eliminate Stefan Diggs all to the field side. Josh Allen's going to look, if he looks to the field side and see Xavier McKinney, Xavier McKinney initially looks like he's just going right with Stefan Diggs. So what is that going to do? That's going to force Josh Allen off that read to another read. And now you have Xavier McKinney right down in the, in the flat. And whenever they did release that tight end, Xavier McKinney was right there. If that was the number two in Josh Allen's progression, he saw Xavier McKinney peel off. It was already too late to throw it to Steph Diggs. It was just playing mind games mm-hmm. and uh, playing chess with Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen. And I know the Giants lost the game, but they were really efficient on third down, all things considered, against that quarterback. And that adjustment was one reason why. Xavier McKinney. I'm going to go with the linebacker end twist you talked about earlier with Kayvon and with uh, Micah McFadden, just such a fun wrinkle to see. And it got immediate pressure on Josh Allen and really disrupted the play. But there were a lot of fun play calls in this game. It was just, like I said earlier, Wink was in, Wink Marnell was in his bag. Okay, player we expected to see more from or we expect to see more from. I had somebody originally, Nick, that I kind of changed off of. So I originally had Jason Pinnock, um, who, again, I just feel like not getting the impact I was hoping he would get in camp when it looked like he might be breaking out. Still haven't seen too much of like the athletic flash that he showed on that one handed stab interception in training camp, like training camp. Yeah, it's fun. But like, where's the athleticism now? I'm not seeing that athleticism show up too often on tape to be completely honest. And it was a good answer. I thought until I saw your answer Um, and just the right answer. And your answer is Ashawn Robinson. I mean, the dude plays four snaps this game. They're paying six. Eight million, uh, we got six snaps. Two more. Paying eight <laughs> million dollars, dude. This is a disaster deal for the Giants, Ashawn Robinson. He's obviously not coming back unless something drastically changes, though even then, I doubt they're gonna have the cap space for him. But like this sucks. Like they they obviously weren't gonna be able to get Talias Campbell like he wanted to play in Atlanta, but like that eight million could have gone to a guard. It could have gone to a guard. We don't know. Maybe there was some kind of guard you could have got for eight million. I don't Justin know, a swing Pugh. tackle. Yeah, Justin Pugh. <laughs> a swing tackle. I don't know. But, like, he's doing nothing. Six snaps for an $8 million man who was supposed to be a huge impact. And why is he only playing six snaps? Probably because Wink Martindale hates his tape. Why else would he not be playing? Maybe he's hurt. We don't know about it. But he wasn't on the injury report all week and hasn't been. So, like, probably because he has shit tape. And so it just it's sucked. It- it says something about a lot of things, really. That was just a failed signing. I think we have enough tape to to and enough just actions to to realize that he's not seeing the football field. Six snaps. Jordan Riley played more snaps wow. than A. Sean Robinson, which you might be like, and he didn't look great out there. But again, I'm he's a what, seventh round pick. I'm completely fine with with him struggling a little bit. It's not uh, preseason anymore. But there was no DJ Davidson. So you would think maybe we would see a little bit more Ashawn Robinson. He would eat into those snaps, but no, it was just Raheem Nunez Rochez, you're gonna play 19. Jordan Riley, you're gonna play seven, and then Ashawn Robinson, you're gonna play six. One another reason for that though is also because the Giants weren't in deck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they weren't in base all that often. So right, when they were in the sub too. packages, they were gonna have Dex and Leo out there and then rotate those guys. And you can those guys you, played the most snaps they played the season percentage-wise, Dex and Leo. So that was also a fact. They didn't really rotate them out. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence played 80% of the snaps. Leonard Williams played 90% of the snaps. And you could tell whenever 97 came off the field, they were like, all right, yeah. duo go. All right. GH, we're, we're, we're running the football down their throats. And there was a, there was a series where I think Leonard and Dex were off the field and it was Jordan Riley. And I, I think it was Nunez Rochez, but they just went right to the run and it was like a big gain. And I was like, I yeah, get like 14, one of them. Yeah. Yeah, get 99 or 97 back on the field, man. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. All right, let's there's another, wrap there's this another up. name. There's another name. It's just disappointing. Boogie against your old team. Yeah. Yeah. He only played nine snaps. I, I like his his hustle and everything, but there's just it's just very uninspiring. Like a nondescript yeah. player. O'Shane Zimenez is better than him kind of yeah. kind of player. And that sucks because I was expecting an upgrade over O'Shane. We're hoping for an upgrade, but the reality is the Bills dealt him for like a nothing pick. So yes. that's that's telling. You know, they they invested that and they felt like they just get rid of him for nothing. But it was worth the gamble. Whether the Giants lose a pick swap, like who gives a shit about that? A late round pick swap. All right, give me a pass rush grade, one through ten. I'm gonna go with a four point two. <laughs> Some of it was scheme. Bless you. Dan, there's a mute button. Oh, there's going to be another one. <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau. See, this is why numbers can be a little bit. It's all good. Pressures Kayvon Thibodeau had in this game. 
I didn't know this stat, so I'm gonna say like just based off of the tape, what what would you yeah. think? What he got credited for? I would have thought maybe five that he got credited for. He got six, which is a okay. season high for him. But when you turn on that tape, were you like, oh wow, Kayvon Thibodeau? Like no, I didn't. They get weren't, some of these pressures were like fake. Pre- this is the problem with these pressure stats. Like these are like, everything is considered. They they chart like everything as a pressure. Well, it's not just and that. It's also the game plan of the Bills. They rolled out so much that came on. Yeah, Thibodeau that's was considered able to, a pressure, right? And that's a pressure. So I think a four point a four point one for the pass rush. Look, I think they rattled his clock. I think those E linebacker twists that we talked about were, were uh, something that got out there. Josh Allen, Dexter Lawrence was a stud. I thought Leonard Williams had one of his better games, so it wasn't terrible, but it's still not commanding. And that's kind of what we thought. Like we, we expected maybe if everything, if everything worked out, which <laughs> 2023 for the New York giants, it has not, the Giants would take a step into being a top 10, top five, possibly defensive front with Aziz Ojolari. And I know Aziz is a big ingredient to that recipe. You just don't see it. It's really Dexter Lawrence and then everybody else. If you get solid play out of them, you're like, oh, nice. But Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't taken that next step to be that. You, know, you kind of got a game plan against this guy type of edge rusher. Yeah, that's fair. I got three. I had 3.9. I just didn't think it was very good individual performance. I thought it was mostly the Giants defense was winning with scheme. And with really good play calls and great yes, there were some good yeah. pass rushes and great coverage on the back end. And yes, there was some good rushes from Dexter Lawrence, occasional from Leonard Williams, but not nothing great overall. For run defense, I'm curious to get your take on your grade there. Yeah, run defense, you had a couple of long runs from Cook and Murray. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with a overall 5.8. I think it's a strong 5.8. It's respectable. Outside zone runs, they were doing a really good job. Felt like Ken Dorsey adjusted well with the tackle wrap, able to hit a couple nice runs, even when Dexter Lawrence was out on the football field. But all in all, the Giants run defense has, I'm not going to say for certain that it's shirred up, but it's doing a lot better over the last couple weeks. Yeah, giving it a 6.1 here. So I thought Bobby Okereke had a great game versus the run. I thought Mike McFadden had a great game versus the run. So definitely something good to see there for the Giants defense linebacker plays at an all-time high for them. Uh, not all-time high, obviously. We're not talking 86 Giants and shit like that. <laughs> all-time high in the Big Blue Banter era, without a doubt. All right, that's all we have for today on the Big Blue Banter podcast. Thank you so much for joining in. Thank you so much for supporting the show through the years, through the days, through the months. We will continue to rock and roll. We have a, fu- I have a, we have a fun podcast brewing for next week. I'm just going to tease it now. Think you guys are going to really like it we're going to get a guest on the show i think you guys are going to really enjoy just teasing that now because it's going to be a week from now but just going to tease it now for the fun of it so have a good rest of your week we'll talk to you soon go giants